House Swing HQ Podcast, episode 49. This, this, this is the House Flipping HQ Podcast. Now, let's get flipping with your host, Justin Williams. Direct mail is the number one method myself and most other investors are using in today's market to buy discounted investment properties. And yellowletters.com is the company we use to get the job done for us. Not only are the folks at yellowletters.com expert marketers, but they are real estate investors themselves. So they understand exactly what you need to be successful in this business. Contact a rep at yellowletters.com today to begin working on a direct mail campaign that fits your real estate investment needs and budget. And mention the code HFHQ to get 10% off your next order. What is going on, House Flipping Nation? Hope you guys are all doing absolutely fantastic. Um, wow, it's been it's been a roller coaster of a past few weeks, days, and even minutes. So let me tell you first off a little bit about today. Today's been last couple of days have actually been really good. Um, we just put another house under contract from my brother, Steve Arino, in Utah. Uh, now, this will be deal number five for him and a total of $43,000 that he's made since quitting his job five months ago. Now, once again, just to reiterate, it took him three months of working his tail off and making nothing. And then the past two months is when he was able to to make all of this happen. So that is super exciting. And then my acquisitions assistant, Kel, put his first house under contract yesterday. Boom, Kel, nice work. I actually don't wanna get too excited about that one yet because they're gonna go out to inspect it tomorrow. It's a property we haven't seen yet. Uh, and to make sure the repairs are kind of on where we think they might be and double check a couple things. It's, you know, it's actually a manufactured home. We just wanna make sure that, uh, we're pretty confident on the resale value. Um, so anyway, but really exciting there. So I want to talk to you guys a little bit about the past few weeks and like I said, hours and days. And and I don't want to just sugarcoat this. Like sometimes it's really easy to talk about our successes. And like I just talked about, you know, you guys, if I was just left at that, yeah, we just put two houses under contract. Booyah. You know, it, it might you might just feel like that's always how it is. And when that doesn't happen to you and your business, you might get a little frustrated and you might feel like, oh, maybe I don't have what it takes. Um, maybe this doesn't work for me or, or something like that. So I want to keep it real. I'm actually, uh, whew, I'm breathing deep. I, I'm feeling a little better right now, but I tell you what, this past hour, I spent an entire hour right now trying to figure, I don't know what happened, but with my audio and my computer it took me one hour just to get um, my software working on my computer so I could even do this recording of this introduction. I mean, talk about frustrating. Now, what does it have to do with your housing business? Well, it may appear like it has nothing to do with it, right? But the bottom line is one hour of absolutely wasted time, or at least what felt like wasted time to me in trying to figure out how I can deliver this message to you. Now, stuff like that happens every day, guys. I mean, in any business that you run, these little things that you didn't plan on happening, 
will happen. So to not actually to not plan on those, uh, I mean, you should plan on those. Plan on the things that you don't think are going to happen to happen. And mentally, if you are ready for those things, uh, it'll help you a ton. It's not about. I say this all the time. It's not about you know who's the smartest or knows the most. It's it's about who is able to continue to persevere. Uh, not will we have challenges? Will we have failures? We absolutely will. So let's continue on with that topic for a few minutes here. Uh, last week, um, you know, I was just looking at our numbers and it was like, holy cow, what is going on here? We had one house under contract in three weeks. Now, for a lot of people, say, oh, it's, that's not bad. That's great. You know, but for someone who is trying to get three houses a week under contract, that basically means that we were behind by like eight houses, right? So I was incredibly frustrated. You know, it had been three weeks, actually like we we're going on to our fourth week and we only had one house under contract. So, you know, I, I decided to talk to my wife. I was kind of frustrated about it, kind of venting. And I was like, oh, I got to do something. So we just talked about it. And I said, okay, you know, tomorrow I'm just going to kind of get my hands dirty and going to see what's going on. So the next day, you know, I called my agent. I started calling my wholesalers. I called Kale, my acquisitions manager. And it really helped me, number one, kind of just by talking to some people, not feel like, oh, what's going on? Does this business work anymore? And I was able to talk to some people who are doing the business and either seeing or not seeing success and see what was going on and how we could adjust and starting to get into problem-solving mode. And then I called... Um, one of my wholesalers, and he was actually on his way to a family trip. And he had sent Vanessa a property earlier on in the week. And we were just off by like a few thousand, just too tight for us. Uh, you know, he wasn't able to get um, any, you know, anyone to pay the price he was looking for. And he was on his way to a family trip and didn't really want to push for it. And I said, hey, this is what we can do. And anyway, we were just able to, we came to this agreement, right? And we put the house under contract. So that um, allowed us to, to get another house, okay? So I was like, okay, we got, another, we, got, we got that one. So then we had like two in four weeks, which still wasn't fantastic. Um, but when I talked to Kel that same day, I was like, okay, Kel, what have you been doing? Like, what houses, you know, recently a ton of mail dropped for Kel. And I think I mentioned before that it all hit like the same day and he was overwhelmed and I went to Costa Rica and... I just kind of let him do do his thing, get a lot of experience taking those calls and calling people back and seeing if he could put something under contract. And it's like he kept getting really close, but like, what are we missing? Just missing something. So I had him tell me some of the deals that he felt like he was really close on. And I was able to look at those and realize, you know, he's being conservative on his repairs. I said, you can't be conservative on the repairs or we're not going to buy the house. You got to put it where you think it's going to be. He was being conservative on the repairs and conservative on the returns we wanted to get because some of you know from when I interviewed Bruce Norris and some other people the market right now is not like on as much fire as it was it's been a little bit you know flat I didn't say going down you know but a little flatter this year especially here at least here in uh, California so he knew we had to be conservative and I think he wanted to hit that home run deal I said okay well we got to get a house right so we realized a couple things you know there was this condo that he was projecting 20,000 repairs he was using the $20 per square foot rule i said i said no you know there's no roof there's no um landscaping there's no in exterior paint 
the guy mentioned that he had already done a couple upgrades. I said, we can easily do this house five to $10,000. I didn't even see pictures of the house. I didn't see anything. I just knew from the description what we could do. And we were only off by 10,000. So he was able to get really close on that one. And there was like two other ones that he's able to get really close on these currently in negotiations with, um, which I think we might get. And, you know, then yesterday he was able to actually get one under contract, like I mentioned. Um, and then we were able to get the one from Steven. And so now it's like within the last two days, we've got two more. Kel's kind of on cruising a little more. I've talked to my agent. We got him rolling. Got everyone kind of firing at all cylinders. So I feel like, okay, we're kind of getting back, you know, to the, the, the swing of things. Things are kind of getting back in, in the motion. So I just, want, I, don't know, I just want to share that with you guys. I just don't want you to think that Justin always has it easy and people, people just bringing him these deals and everything's super simple. No, like we have a lot of frustrations as well. I've got a lot of people out there looking and um, still sometimes it gets a little frustrating. Fortunately, you know, we have the machine, we have things working. I've got the people out there, the systems. So it's not like I'm personally having to get out there and make all these offers, but I have several different um, streams or methods from which I can make that happen. So uh, anyway, kind of wanted to to share that with you guys and and just help you have that perspective and understanding. Today, I actually was on a webinar and the guy who was incredibly successful, I mean, he makes me look like peanuts, right? And this this isn't actually real estate investing. This is an online marketing guy. And he said a lot of things that were valuable, but this one thing just stood out to me so much. He said, successful people have more failures than anyone. Okay, sorry, I've kind of stopped writing, so I was reading that. Successful people have far more failures than anyone. And I found that to be so interesting, but obviously successful people have far more uh, successes than anyone because unsuccessful people just don't try. They don't try anything. Successful people, they try it. They recognize they're going to fail. You know, he said that his failures have been way more and way greater than any of his successes. But he's like, you know, for some reason, successful people, it's like history is rewritten. People see them as everything went perfect and it was easy and they just have the it factor and the special gift. And you know what? It's just not the case. It's just not the case. They just, they have ideas, they go for it, they test, they retest, they keep going and they keep going. And I don't want to create, you know, we had someone um, recently wanting to, and I believe they did today, sign up for the fell forward fast coaching program, which we have coming up in less than two weeks. And they said, Hey, can you guarantee me my money? I'll get my money back, um, in a month, you know, from wholesaling houses. I'm like, no, <laughs> not only can we not guarantee that, but I can almost guarantee that won't happen. You know, this is a real business that we're building. Can you create, you know, just like Steven's done in a few months, can you create a very lucrative business in a much shorter period of time than if you were to go to, you know, years of college and and all this other kind of stuff? Yes, yes, absolutely. If you do all the things that we tell you to do. But we are not here to be like those so-called gurus out there, sell you those $40,000 coaching programs. It's easy, no problem. You're going to make a ton of money and get rid. No, it's it's not true. Don't believe that stuff, guys. If you don't join our program, that's fine. I don't care. Well, I, I do care. I want you to join. But don't go fall for that other stuff. Don't. If you think that it's a, anything is a get rich quick overnight, what's the fastest, easiest way to make it happen? And it's going to happen quickly. And you're just going to give it to me. No, it's not like that. Will we give you the tools and the resources 
and the people and every thing you absolutely need to be successful, yes, we will. But it's going to take you know a lot of dedication from you and, and action as well. And you're going to have to do the things that we ask you to do. On so okay, so on the same note, actually, um, speaking of you know failures, and you know, I'll be honest, I'm going to share a little bit of a personal experience. I don't usually talk too much about. I talk mainly about the house flipping part of this business. I don't talk too much about um, you know how my education business is going my online education business this has been a roller coaster for me and it's really been uh, a great experience to remind me what it takes to start a business this has not been easy you know even a couple weeks ago I was talking to Mark I'm like dude what am I doing (laughs) I'm spending all this time energy and effort I spend way more time on my education online business teaching other people how to flip houses than I even do on my own because I have the systems and whatnot so I don't have to I was like, I could just spend the same amount of time uh, going into another market and, and building my house flipping business more and make way more money. You know, the the educate. It's like I feel like there should be so many more people um, signing up than I. We're having a ton of people sign up, but it's. You know, I was just like, everybody should be signing up. I'm giving away the world. You know, I was just getting frustrated. And I even said to my wife, I was like, what am I doing? I should just quit. You know, I should stop. And I told Mark the same thing. And you know, of course, I really wouldn't have done that, you know, but once again, you know, I'm sharing these experiences with you because I feel like this is probably what you are going through or have gone through or will go through in your house flipping or real estate investing business. So I want these words to speak to you. So when it happens, you'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's what he was talking about, right? And, you know, it's so funny. I thought, you know, I'm, I'm just going to keep going, you know, obviously I'm going to keep going because I've committed to it, but I say, you know, I'm learning a lot from it. I'm just going to keep going. And then in the past 10 days, I mean, we've had a record number of people sign up for the fell, uh, fell fast flipping and mastermind group, uh, fell fast flipping coaching and implementation program and the mastermind group. And eventually guys, I'm going to like probably combine those two and come up with an easier name, but anyway, we're kind of getting all worked out here. And you know, it was amazing. And I was like, okay, like we're getting it, like we're getting it figured out. And, you know, Mark, when I was having my frustrations, he asked me, he's like, how many years have you been flipping houses for? How long did it take you to do your first deal? How much revenue did you create within the first year or two years? And it it was pretty interesting because he's like, okay, we're doing fantastic, right? So um, yeah, yeah. So I go through the same thing, guys. Everybody I know does it. Uh, it's not a matter of if you're going to go through them because you will. It's a matter of how you deal with it. Okay, so speaking of the fail fast flipping program, I wanted to make a couple really cool announcements. Last week, my friend Danny Johnson, who you guys all heard um, earlier on the podcast, uh, he sent me this uh, this uh, new uh, website template that he has created and wanted to get my opinion. And he said, here, I'm, I'm going to let you test it out for free. Check this out. I know you already have your website because um, we talked about it when he came to visit me a couple months ago. He talked about this thing that he was going to do. And I was like, I can't wait a couple months. I want it now. I want to get my website going now, my lead generation website going now. And you know, he sent it to me and I was just blown away. Um, it was beautiful. It was way better than what I created. I had someone create a website for me for $2,000, which I'm currently paying them $200 a month to maintain. And I was just blown away. 
Um, so I called him up. We worked out a deal. And he is going to be coming on board as one of the coaches for the Felfast Flipping Program with an emphasis on internet marketing. Because honestly, I'm not super experienced in internet marketing. I want to learn a ton more about it. I mean, Danny, that is how he runs his entire business. So I'm super excited to announce that now with the program, for anyone who signs up for the program, you are going to be getting three months free um, of hosting and domain, whatever the cost is, you know, get three months free um, of a website. But not only that, but we are going to teach you and work with you on creating that website, customizing. He has some incredible templates. And as part of the program, we are going to take some time and you are going to create your own website. Oh, love it. Oh, I'm kind of jealous. So I just dropped two grand on it. But anyway, that's okay. My goal is to add as much value as I can. So not only are we going to have you create your own website, give you three months for free, but we are also going to teach you the basics of SEO and how you can maintain that, use that website, take those leads. Anyway, it's just a great, um, a great thing to add to your toolbox. And I just wish I would have found that sooner. So that is something else. He will also be in the forum group, adding a ton of value. Um, and I am actually going to interview him next week. So that will be cool. Uh, we are also in, speaking of coaches, Mike Simmons from the Just Start Real Estate Investing Podcast is also going to be coming on as a coach. Mike specializes in helping people get going in their real estate business. So he is going to be coming on as a coach. He's actually going to be one of the main mentors and he will be there answering questions, helping us create content, create videos, giving another perspective. I also talked to my account today. He's going to be a part of the group so he can be giving you information on accounting, whatever information those guys give. So um, anyway, it's going to be incredible. If you have not had a chance to check out the link, go to fellfastflipping.com. If you have any questions at all, you can either email myself and or Mark at info at or Mark at HouseFlippingHQ.com. And we'll be happy to answer any of those questions that you have. And we will be having uh, another webinar tonight. It is our final webinar before we launch the program. And you can go to HouseFlippingHQ.com slash webinar to uh, sign up for that. So, all right, guys, that is all the announcements we have. I know this was kind of a long intro, but I hope you got a lot of value out of all that good stuff. Um, we are going to continue with part two of the interview I did with Vanessa, where we discuss the entire you know closing process of a house. This is something we don't talk about a ton. I'm always about buying the house. If you have not yet listened to the first part of this, you're going to want to go back and listen to episode 48 first and then come back on over here. And with that, let's get to it with Vanessa File. Now, you mentioned closing costs as well. Let me give you a scenario. If we had a house that we felt like the ARV was 250 and we had an offer, a conventional offer at 275 subject to appraisal, and we had, uh, I, I'm sorry, we, okay, we had an FHA offer at 275 subject to appraisal. We needed two appraisals and we had a conventional offer at 250 55 
Um, oh, and the FHA offer was asking for three or four percent closing cost. Conventional offer didn't want any closing cost. They were at two fifty five. Which offer would we probably take? Um. Well, first, I'd actually talk to the conventional offer and counter them directly and let them know that we have another okay. offer. And that okay, they're, that's they're good. Tired. Boom, I wasn't even thinking of that. So yes, you would so. try to get the conventional to go up. Even though we're seeing an ARV of 250, what is the thought? It's like, hey, maybe we can get an extra 10 grand out of this, right? Yeah. Okay. And if you take in consideration, so the FHA is asking for closing costs. So even though they're offering 275, say their closing costs are $9,000, then you're going to net $9,000 less than the 275. Um, and then with the conventional, you're going to net, you don't have to worry about the closing costs. So they're, say, at 255 Okay. Um, if they, so then I would just try and get them up. And I would even, even if they won't go up as high say, as high as 275 I'd be like, you know, if you can come in at like 268 because I know that's where we would fall if we were to accept the other one, be like, then we'll accept your offer right now. And so in that way, you did mention a specific number. Because yes. you know on their own they're not going to go there. So you try to let them go up on their own. If they don't, then you throw that out there. Then they might even come in and say, okay, we can do 260 And what would we probably do in that scenario? We think the house is going to appraise at 250 It might go a little bit higher. We've got a conventional offer at 260 not asking closing costs. FHA, 275 asking 4% closing costs. You would think the net for the FHA would be higher, but which one would we probably take? 260 why? Well, one, the pro the loan will probably go through quicker because yeah. they usually close in 30 days rather than 45. And it's going to be cleaner. They probably won't ask for as many repairs. Good and point. if appraisal, you know, does come in at 250, conventional offer is more likely going to have more, you know, funds to bring forward to be, right. or to make up the difference. Um, and then you just kind of like close and you're done. Totally. You don't have to worry about the second appraisal. You just kind of do one. You don't have to worry about any appraisal. I mean, you have one appraisal, but um, the chances are the house isn't going to appraise at 275 anyway, right? Right. So at the end of the day, we'd probably end up making less money. Yeah. And what is the goal? To make the most money. <laughs> make the most money. Make the most money. Okay. I mean, you've got at the beginning, you got to buy right, but then you got to like do everything you can to maximize the buying and the rehab work you did, right? So that all right. kind of works together. Um, okay, so that's that's really good there. Let's uh, let's get into. Um, okay, let's talk about. So we accept an offer. What happens from then? How long does it usually take to close? First of all, from when opening escrow. Yeah. On average, it's about thirty to forty-five days. Okay, so cash can usually close in about two weeks, more or less, right? It just depends yeah. on what they're willing to do. Um, conventional is probably usually about 30 days, would you say? Mm -hmm. And FHA or VA are usually around 45, right? Right. It's give or take on all those. Um, so what's the process? We got an offer. We accept the offer. What happens from that point? We say, okay, we accept your offer. What goes on from there? So you send... The buyer's agent, a uh, fully executed copy of the purchase agreement. So then it has the seller's signature and the buyer's signature. Um, a lot of the time, one of the things you do look at too is title and escrow. We like to use our own title and escrow. Um, one, because we get binder policies on when we purchase the property, so we need to use that. What's a binder policy? That actually, so when you buy the property, it saves you money for when you sell it. Um, if you were to use a different 
insurance company than when you had bought it, then they recharge you a lot of the title insurance fees. Title insurance company. And by doing the binder policy, you just end up having to use the same insurance company. I'm not. I'm doing sorry, a call, sweetie. The same. Okay, I can't. I got. I can't do it now, sweetie. I'll talk to you later. Bye bye. Close my door. All right, sorry guys. <laughs> okay, keep going. <laughs> I meant title company, not insurance company. Yeah, but, yeah, I got that. Sorry. So you get the binder policy. You have to use the same title company when you go to resell it. It saves you, I think, about three or four hundred dollars. Okay. So bottom line, little side note there, guys. When you buy a house, tell your title company that you want a binder insurance policy instead of the standard insurance policy if you know that you are going to flip that house. And if you flip it, is it within a year or two years, Vanessa? In a year. If you flip, resell that house within a year, you're going to save yourself like three or $400 depending on the price and whatnot, okay? So keep that in mind. Little, point, little uh, tip there. Um, okay, so we like to use our own title and escrow company. And part of the reason we like that is also because they just understand our whole process, right? How much easier yeah. is it to work with the same person? It is. They know your system. You almost so make easy. them a part of your system and it just kind of like flows. That's a really good point. I didn't even have that here in my notes. And we just always do these little things. We try to eliminate people, right? <laughs> the less people we can work with, the better. If right. we're working with 10 escrow and title companies, oh, it'd be a nightmare. It'd be like working with 10 contractors, right? Yeah. Um, just don't want to do it. And they understand how we work with our private money lenders too, which is huge, right? Because we have kind of an interesting system. So it's just kind of like a little partnership there. Right. Okay, cool. And we keep them, we hold them to the fire too, because there are some title and escrow companies that'll take a long time to get you their title and um, escrow paperwork, right? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, because you want to go as quickly as you can. You want everybody to be on the same page because the quicker you go, the less time people have to think and the faster the transaction closes. The more time you give it, Sometimes that's when things start pulling up. They start seeing more repairs that they might want done or like yes. something like that. It's not like on every case, but it's important. You just want to keep it going. You want to keep that wanna... momentum going. Yeah. And once again, the velocity of money. I mean, yeah. everything from the time you buy to selling, everything. If, if right. you are not on it, you will take twice as long to close to, from key to key. You will take twice as long. Yes, because now you have to take into consideration there is a whole nother party of people that are involved yeah. in this closing. You have the agent, the buyer, and the lender, and then the escrow, and then us. So the lender actually on the buyer side is very important because they can pretty much make or break your deal very yes. easily, actually. Um, so we have it set up to where, okay, we give them, we send the agent the signed contract. We let them know who our title and escrow is, and then we send the signed contract to escrow and let them know to go ahead and open escrow. They usually ask for, we give them like a little list of the items in the contract and like seller's commission um, or buyer's agent commission. So we'll say this property, please open new escrow. Um, buyer's asking for home warranty. This is um, the seller, the buyer's agent commission is 3%. You know, sell, listing agent's commission is, you know, this percent. And if it's on septic or something like that. Okay. Not okay. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> I'm sorry. Keep going. I'm let you go. I'm let you go. I talk. So and then the escrow will ask you for any other information that they need. So once you have escrow open, we put it in our timeline to follow up with the agent within about three biz three days after we open to make sure that they have their home inspection ordered. Also to let them know um, or ask them if they have the appraisal ordered as well. And when the appraisal will be scheduled, 
and to give them our contact information so the appraiser knows that when he goes to the property to call us for access. So uh, we, you want all those things pretty much done as soon as possible. There's usually the, the normal standard contingency period for home inspection and appraisal is 17 days from the day that you open escrow. Uh-huh. And that gives the buyer that much time to, to do the inspections and the appraisal and stuff like that. And then until you remove that contingency, then it starts affecting their earnest money deposit if they don't perform. Um, that's why those contingency periods are in place. Okay. So once they do the home inspection report, usually they'll send you a request for repairs, if any, along with the home, in re- home inspection report. Um, usually we get that before the appraisal happens because you, most of the time buyers schedule their home inspections within the first few days of them getting the property. Um, and so once they send that list, I usually send my contractor out there to go ahead and give me a quote. I communicate with the buyer's agent right away saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and get my um, contractor out there to give me his evaluation and um, estimate on what these items are going to be. Okay. So we get we get this request for repairs and our contractor goes out, whatever. How do we go about that request for repairs? I mean, do we have to do those or? You don't have to. That's actually going to be a part of your negotiating tool if you need it to be. Okay. Um, what do we typically do? How do we typically go about that? Well, I usually wait. Um, sorry. <laughs> I no. usually wait to get my evaluation back from the contractor so I can see how much everything costs. Okay. So I can see, like, a lot of the safety items you're going to end up having to do, whether, yeah. you know, replacing the GFI outlets in the kitchen or something with the heating and air. Um or a plumbing issue, things like that. And usually there's there's some items that come up that your contractor should have taken care of um, when he did his rehab. So some of the items actually end up being free because he should have done that anyways. Okay. And then there's going to be some larger line items, um, whether the heating and air might wasn't working at the time. Or there could be a roof repair that they had called out that we didn't know we needed to do. Um, so I get that all into place, and then I say, okay, um, if they're all really minor, I'll kind of let them know if we're going to just go ahead and take care of them up front anyways, because the buyer really wants to know. A lot of the time, the, the, the more you don't respond, the more it pushes the buyer away. So yeah. you have to really be on top of your communication because you don't yeah. want to lose them either. Yeah. And even if you're trying to take time because you're waiting for the appraisal to come in before you actually make a final decision on the repairs, you need to kind of communicate that to the buyer's agent. And for be sure. Like, and the point being, we don't want to go spend a few thousand dollars on repairs if there are a lot of repairs. And then have the appraisal come in low and us not want to go with them anyway, right? But if we know that we're going to make an extra $20,000 more than what we thought, we're going to be more willing to spend that extra three grand on repairs and just kind of take care of it, right? Right. Okay, good. Okay. So then you get the appraisal comes in and then you kind of determine. Because what if the appraisal does come in low and there's certain items that they're requesting that aren't safety hazard issues or that the lender's not requiring or the appraiser's not requiring, then um, you can say, okay, you know, we won't fix these items, you know, reduce your closing costs of this or come up with some of the difference. Yeah. Okay. What, let's, so let's jump into that. Let's talk about the appraisal. Is the appraisal important? Yes, it's probably the most important thing. Of the whole thing, right? Right. So really quick before I get there, you mentioned, so some of the inspections they're going to do is their regular home inspection. They're going Mm -hmm. to do probably a termite inspection, and then they're going to do an appraisal. Are there any other things that get inspected or checked out? No. Not really, right? 
be a septic inspection if you had one. Okay, maybe a septic. Um, they can do other inspections if they want. It's yeah, up to them. They, yes. They Some can, will get a roof inspection. Yeah, okay. You want to stay away from that if that, uh, possible. Yes. <laughs> so if that's in your offer, I mean, just the more inspections, the more clauses, the more things they want, the less clean the offer is, right? Right. Okay. So let's talk about the appraisal. How do we go about that? Why is that important? How do we handle it? Okay, so it's important because that's going to determine your value. And especially, I mean, it's important all the time, but even if there's times where you know you need to really push that value or whatnot, then you want to make sure that that happens. People have different perspectives on how they go about their appraisals. Some don't feel like it's important to meet them or is it necessary because, you know, the appraiser, the appraisers usually feel like they know what they're doing and they don't need any assistance. So it's really all about how you approach it. And it's not like this works every time, but if it does, you know, if you didn't go and meet the appraiser at the property and you got a low appraisal, it would make you feel like maybe I should have met him there and it could have helped in that way. Um, we've gotten pretty good, I feel like, at our appraisal packages and we've gotten really some really good values that, you know, I didn't even know we were going to get sometimes. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> because it's not like there was really a lot of comps to support it, but you knew that there was some kind of value there because it's just the way that the market is going. Yep. Um, so what we do is we have a letter that's just kind of saying, you know, hi, we're, we're Ion Home Solutions or I'm Vanessa with Ion Home Solutions and we purchased this property on this date. We're selling it to this buyer. We did buy this property in distress and here I'm giving you a list of repairs um, that we did to the property because usually the lender, if they don't, they most of the time will ask you how much you put into it because that's just part of their underwriting process. Right. Um, and the fact that you give it to them upfront without them asking, I think, makes it look even better. Yeah. So we give them a list of all the stuff that we did, you know, the granite, redid the flooring, you know, sprinklers, trash out. I include every little thing to make it seem like we did as much to this property as possible. Because yeah. they use that. If they're comparing it to a property that is not rehabbed completely, they have to account for how much we did compared to that property. So this perspective helps them determine what kind of value they can give to our property based off what we did to it. Um, and I usually give them a total cost, including like appliances and everything. So say this rehab was like $30,000. And then I let them know, like in the last paragraph, like, you know, for your convenience, I've included some comparables in the area. Please note that some of them are superior or our subject property is superior to some of the comps in the area as well. And then I just say, if you need anything or have any questions, you know, give me a call at this number. Um, then I'll include like some before and after pictures because not all the ones that we buy are on the MLS. So they really don't get to see what it looked like before we remodeled it. Mm-hmm. And some of them, it's a very drastic change. Yeah. Um, so you can kind of see how we created that value there. Yep. Um, so we have the before and after photos. And then I can include as many solds and pendings or actives as I can. I usually do like three. That support our value. That helps support our value. Right. And if we feel like there's not a house in the immediate area that's as good as ours, then we'll go a little bit outside because we've got to find the best comparable, right? Yes. And, you know, you you kind of start to learn, like, how the appraisers look at the property. Like, you kind of want to look at it from their perspective because, you know, they usually pull comps that are closest to the property within 90 days. Uh-huh. And it's like, that's where you start. That's and where you start, you, for sure. You'll see, like, okay, this one's kind of fits our scenario, but it's still a little bit lower than we need it to be. So I just go, you know, wherever I need to go to get that comp, as long as it fits our specifics. It has to be within a mile, though. And if you have... Go ahead, go ahead. Okay, and then sometimes I'll even go back, like, you, because really, 
the appraiser can go back up to six months and use a comp within that six months. They don't right. usually like to because if there's something that closed sooner, they'll t they'll use that, and sometimes they use it as their argument. But yeah. at the same time, all I want to do is show that that value was there at some point, really, yeah. and that yeah. it still is there. So I play. I kind of mess around with the the you know go out 120 days, 160 days, and see if I can pull in whatever it is that I need in order to make this work. And you know by putting in that effort and that time. Like you, that appraisal package so shows. Yeah. Okay. So you've done several things. You've, you've had them contact you rather than give them direct access. So they have to call you. Then you can meet them there. You can try to build some rapport. You know, you don't have to be too strong or aggressive, but you give them a package. You show that, Hey, I know what this house should sell for. I know what's going on here. Like you can't just submit any appraisal and not think you're going to get, um, you know, some some pushback on it right right um so ideally you just build rapport and become their friend right yeah. and if that happens you can actually have a discussion with them about what they think might happen here and the value that you're seeing right i mean you can yeah it, you you'll see it's very different with with each one yeah. but establishing that rapport in the beginning because you really kind of want to stay out of their way you really yeah. want to allow them to kind of open up to you be there if they have any questions um, you'll kind of notice as they're like walking around the house, there's kind of like a silence period. <laughs> yeah. You guys will kind of be around each other. That's a moment to say, I I usually use this one a lot. Isn't it so nice outside today? Totally. And then they'll be like, yeah, it is really nice. You know, I used to live right over here. And then they just start kind of talking about stuff. Yeah. And then the next thing you know, you guys are talking about nothing to really do with the house unless he has a question. Yeah. And um, at, towards the end when they're getting ready to go is when I kind of give them the package. I really actually don't even say very much. Yeah. I, um, I'll just say, you know, I have this package here. I included a list of repairs so you can kind of see how much of cost we put into the rehab and some before and after photos. So you can kind of see what it looked like before and what it looks like now. And then I'll say, you know, I'm, I'm sure you already have all of your comps put together, but I added a few in here for you as well. And then at that time they either some will just take it and not say anything. <laughs> mm -hmm. There's nothing you can really do because you can't really push them. Yeah. But it's just the fact that you were there. You let them in. They don't have to worry about closing up. Like it really just gives them that overall feeling. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, sometimes that's when they start talking to you and they'll start looking through it and they'll be like, oh, thank you so much for putting this together. Like one guy started looking through it and then he saw the list of repairs. He's like, I really needed that. I was going to ask you if you awesome. had something like that. And then he'll be like, yeah, you know, I pulled a lot of these same comps. He actually ended up sharing some of the comps that he had pulled. I was like, oh, you already Perfect. have some of those. He's like, it's going to be a tough one to comp. But I really think we can make this work. Or, you know, one guy, he just took the package. He's like, oh, all I really need is the list of repairs. And it's like, okay, well, you know, it sounds like you already really kind of know. I said, but the market out here is actually really strong. I was like, we got, um, you know, a lot of really good activity, like, on this house. We yeah. received a lot of um, – calls and you know a few offers and they all kind of came in at, at you know above asking price i just kind of say little things like that depending on our situation totally. and that kind of gets them talking too because yeah. sometimes you'll in in they might not necessarily say what you want to hear but that gives you a feel kind of of where you're going to stand um but just by communicating with them i think it opens them up more so than if you didn't then they might not have looked at it like that perfect. so perfect okay so we, we've done the appraisal we get the appraisal back. What happens if the appraisal, we kind of talked about this a little bit. What happens if the appraisal doesn't come in at value or where, or it doesn't come in at, at the offer price? Okay. So if it doesn't, then I call the buyer's agent right away. Um, unless they have called me to let me know that it came in low. And 
we we kind of I pretty much asked them I'm like okay well you know does your buyer have any money to come up with the difference it's pretty much my first question yeah <laughs> and then some of them will be like well you know they let me talk to them about it or some will say you know I'm not really sure why don't we dispute it with the lender depends on how far off you are yeah. but so, like the last few agents I've been working with we've had to dispute it with the, the lender. Um, not one has ever brought. I was gonna say, we haven't, that doesn't go so well usually, huh? <laughs> so it's like yeah, you can spend a lot of time and maybe doing a whole rebuttal thing, but yeah. honestly, in the end, we, that's the thing with appraisers is they are kind of stubborn, and once they pick their value, it's very hard to talk them into changing it. And we talked about more in detail about how you can go about rebuttaling that in my interview with Rick Solis. Um, right. I forget what episode, but you guys can check that out if you want. We haven't really gone to that great of length because I don't think we want to draw this thing out another 30, 40 days just to see what happens. You know what I mean? So we would, I think, in the right situation, we just, but we haven't yeah, gone there yet. It's true. Okay. So um, but I, you said a good point. We don't ever, if the appraisal comes in 10000 less and we're still making money, we're never going to be like, okay, no problem. We're always yeah. going to try to get as much as we can. Yeah. Right? Like, like, yes, exactly. Always. I mean, I have one right now that came in low. It's about only like four thousand dollars low, uh -huh. <laughs> and you know, in, I know that I'm probably going to accept it because actually we the offer was about fifteen thousand dollars more than okay. what we, we were going to get it for anyway. Okay. So I take all these things into consideration yeah. Yeah. when I'm evaluating the you know everything. Yeah. Um, the agent doesn't know that, but she's working on trying to get more either from the buyer or she's taking the time to actually negotiate with the appraiser or the lender awesome. to see if she can get the value up. And if she doesn't, then she has to see if the buyer has the funds and then she can call me and we can talk about where we need to be. It's all negotiation. And you'll probably make on average just by doing that an extra two to $4,000 on just about every deal. Um, at least the ones that come might come in low. So yeah. How you, one Go, other, ahead. Huh? Go ahead. Oh, sorry. I'm like, it's a lot. Um, These calls I, always take longer than I think because there's so much information to cover, but that's okay. We're, we're going to give it all to you guys, everything we can think of. But the, I'll just give you one other scenario because we had one other appraisal that came in um, lower. It was like $13,000 low, two twenty two, and then the offer was at two thirty five. I kind of knew we needed to, I knew it was going to appraise about two thirty. Yeah. but you know, I tried to push it as much as we could and it came in low. So the lender actually gave up part of her commission. The buyer's agent gave up part of his commission, and then the buyer came up with the additional like three thousand. So we ended up getting about seven thousand more, and yeah, we met in the awesome. middle initially. So and we ended, and our offer, like you mentioned, was higher than we had originally thought it would be anyway. Right. Um, so, but we still went for it because sometimes the appraisal comes in ten, twenty thousand dollars higher than we think it would. Yeah. So you never know. So you're always going to shoot for the best. Unless, like we talked about, you have multiple offers and you're really not thinking it's going to happen, then you're going to, okay, let's take this one that's a little bit lower, right? Yeah. Um, okay, very good. So, okay. So, okay, so what's after that? So, <laughs> um, let's see. So, once you get the appraisal done, I usually schedule repairs right after that. Um, I usually actually schedule the termite report right in the beginning just to kind of see if there's any repairs that come up. Because you use all these repairs as a negotiating tactic if you have to. But I schedule all the repairs, make sure all of those get done. Usually after an, you get an appraisal back, most lenders should be able to close within about a week and a half. Um, so now they're going to submit their package to underwriting. And 
then they sign loan documents and then they fund and then you close. So perfect. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wait. <laughs> so they get loan approval, then they sign loan documents, then they fund, then they close. Usually they fund and then they close like the next day. Yeah. Every once in a while they can do like a same day special. Um just depends on who you're working with. Um Okay, that's pretty good. I mean, we didn't really talk about like disclosures and stuff. Um but how does that work? That's just there's just paper, a bunch of paperwork, right? Yeah, there's <laughs> like cool, a that. list of Oh, the lighting's better when I do this. Okay, I'm just going to okay. keep doing this. Touchdown! <laughs> that was funny. That was um, so <laughs> all right. Okay, so you have a disclosure package of all the stuff that you have to put together for the buyers to sign. I think there's actually a contingency period on the seller's end. Of, we have to submit them, I think, within seven business days after you open escrow. Um, but I want to say there's maybe like 10 different forms. Transfer disclosure, property questionnaire. I mean, there's like a whole list. And, you know, it's going to be different for every state as well. So I don't want to be anticlimactic here, guys. On the the triple, the, the bigger fail forward fast program, once again, we'll take more time to go through all this stuff in detail. We'll also do a Q&A in the same week where you guys can get on and ask Vanessa and I questions. For now, I think this is enough information to get you off, get you going, get you where you need to. Uh, need to get started. Final thing, Vanessa. We so we close on the house. We get the check. Wire comes. Um, what do we do after that? Is there anything we have to do, or are we just done? Uh, no. Then we have to do. We have to make sure all of our interest payments are stopped with our lenders if we have one. Um, and then we do like our final accountings and everything. Okay, our final accountings, and then we have to like turn off utilities and stuff, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, cancel insurance, turn off utilities, you know, stop the lawn maintenance person if you have that, stop the pool service if you have that. So it's just like so, you just have like a checklist of all these items right. that you go through. So Yeah. All right. Okay, Vanessa, you've been awesome. That's a wrap, guys. Yeah. If you have any questions, hop in the Facebook forum. Try not to ask Vanessa too much because every time you ask her a question, it's one less house we'll buy. No, I'm just kidding. Um, really, you can ask questions <laughs> and, then, and then I'll kind of refer those to her if I don't know the answer, which sometimes I don't. So, all right, Vanessa, go buy us another house. All right. <laughs> okay, we'll talk Bye. to you later. Bye. Need funding for your deals? Looking to take your current house flipping business to the next level? Anchor Loans is one of only two companies that we currently are using to get our house flipping deals funded. Whether you're looking to get partial or full funding, Anchor Loans has a program that will work for you. For more information, visit anchorloans.com and as always, mention my name, Justin Williams or House Flipping HQ so they know where you came from. All right, that was some good, good stuff. Uh, if you have any comments or questions, you go to housefippinghq.com slash episode 49. You can also go there for all of the show notes, tips, tricks, tweets, and everything else. Um, let's see, just a quick reminder that we will have Danny Johnson, the man on next week's episode talking about internet marketing, um, and a reminder about the webinar, go to housewinghq.com slash webinar. If you are listening to this recording later on, um, you know, we always have a webinar going on, so you can go there to sign up for the next webinar and let's see what else go to fell fast flipping.com to check out our program that we have coming up. We're launching here in 
less than two weeks. I can't wait. It's kind of really quick. It'll be the single most robust house flipping building business coaching program and mastermind group ever for a fraction of the price. It's going to be awesome. Can't wait. <laughs> Love you guys. And we will see you next time on the House Wing HQ podcast. Until then, go flip a house. This has been the House Flipping HQ podcast. Your, your ultimate house flipping resource for intelligent real estate investing and financial freedom. Check out amazing tutorials, blogs, how-tos, and other inspiring podcasts with house flipping experts at houseflippinghq.com. Houseflippinghq.com.